nos inguitis e nemicis nostris, Leonus Deus Noster. In nome di Pazzi e Fili e Spiritus Santi. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Well, it is 10 p.m., and therefore this is clearly the last meditation of 2020. (laughs) So we're about to make a transition in the new calendar year through the great solemnity of the Mother of God, Mary, the Mother of God. Mary, the Mother of God. And Mary... You not only carried Jesus in your womb, you also supplied all the genetic matter for a human body, since it was through you, not Joseph, but through you that Jesus became a descendant from David according to the flesh. He became a descendant from David. But in the 5th century, there was a bishop, his name was Nestorius, who objected to this, and he said, well, Mary, she's not the mother of God, she's just the mother of Jesus. She's just the mother of his nature, his human nature. And he got a certain amount of following, following, preached about it, But eventually the church rejected his claim. The church said she was not only mother of a nature, but also mother of the person. And, uh, well, the thing got a bit confusing with Nestorius, who, who confused a lot of people. He claimed that Mary did not give birth to a unified person, the unified person of Jesus, And he attempted to separate the human nature and the divine nature, creating two kind of two distinct persons, the divine person, the human person. It got all muddled up. So some people believed him. He said, yeah, they're kind of loosely affiliated, the human nature and the divine nature. But, you know, they're just kind of tied by a bow tie or something. I don't know. But it was like a puzzle that had to be put together before anybody really had a chance to really think this through. And so God arranged that all the greatest minds, or many of the greatest minds, would be present. Saint Saint Irenaeus, Saint Hippolytus, Saint Sir of Jerusalem, Saint Athanasius, uh, Saint John Chrysostom, the list goes on. And they clarified. But that was just with their writings. And then of course, officially in 431, the Council of Ephesus put it all together, put the puzzle all together into a very unified, stable declaration, not simply by statement, but by a debate, by looking at it in Scripture, hearing from all the bishops, and they made a very solemn uh, declaration. 
that the church still holds to today, where it said at one point, according to this understanding of the unconfused union, we confess the Holy Virgin to be the mother of God because God, the Word, took flesh and became man from his very conception, united to himself the temple he took from her. So the end result is that she's the mother of God. That's it. She's the mother of God. In Greek they said Theotokos. Theotokos. And uh, this is the, the solemnity that we enter into. And, uh, but what can we take now as we enter into this moment of transition to the new year? What can we take? We, we give thanks to God that God has given us the mother of God. And thanks to that, you could say we have Jesus who is true man, true God. But what we can do, what we can we do? What is 2021 going to be like for us interiorly? What's this transition? Some people just say, ah, it's just calendar. Ah, it's just time. Just, yeah, it's just like any other day. And they're just like, they're just like, uh, you know, it's not important. I, okay, I get to sleep in. That's all, you know. Well, not everybody gets to sleep in. But uh, <laughs> as far as I know. <laughs> but... So what can, we, what can we do? Well, first of all, we can do the very human thing that the moment urges us on. We can use this time as a reflection in order to kind of step aside and make a survey. Make a survey, although a lot of people have already done a survey of 2020, but, but, so, but we want to do it so that we can gain inner freedom and you could say develop a patient readiness to move on again into this new year that the Lord is is providing us with. One of the ancient philosophers once remarked that, that man really differs from the animals essentially because he can, you could say, raise his head above the waters of time. Right? He, can, he can raise his head above the waters of time. Animals are like fish swimming in the water. They are simply carried along by the stream of time. No, no dog says we are in 2020. No, the, a dog in 2020 is the same as a dog in 1804. I mean, it's the same thing. There's no difference. One is not more modern than the other because they can't come out of time. They're just dogs. And uh, they're like, or like fish. I mean, I suppose fish taste different today than they tasted in, in the 19th century, but uh, but that's because of what they eat, you know. And that's we who have put that in the in the you know in the rivers. But man alone can raise his sights above the waters, and so become a master of time. So what we want to ask as we are about to enter into this new year: Do we do that? Or are we not, perhaps, in some way like those fish in the sea of time, carried along by the currents without a clear notion of where we're going or where, we're, where we come from, where we're going? Is it not true that we're like those fish in the sense that we become kind of totally absorbed in the daily duties, in the daily tasks, and we just like get like 
enveloped by everything, by the demands, the troubles, the I have to do this, that deadlines. Uh, you know, I understand when you're cooking, you always have okay, make sure this is uh, still hot and this is hot. Like, I never know how you can get food that's hot. You know, I mean, it takes time to make this, and then while you're doing that, this gets cold, and you know, it, 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 how does it arrive there and it's hot? I don't know. Somebody figured that out, but uh, and uh, so there's all these things in life, you know. And sometimes, since we have all those preoccupations and concerns, we can not always uh, perceive ourselves. Like, where am I? What am I doing here? So this should be a time, an hour, where we can get out of this water, this stream of water, and try to look beyond the sea of time, or the river of time, and look maybe towards heaven, towards the stars, so that this process which we are in may lay hold of ourselves as well. Right? That we can see it with a, a newer perspective. We should maybe try to reflect on the road, for example, that we have traveled in the past year, in the past two years, ten years, ten years. Or in the past year, that's what we usually do. But So we can make a judgment. We should try to see, in this past year, what went wrong? What went wrong this year? What blocked my way to being more generous in my vocation? Like, what blocked me? What went wrong? So that in the new year, we make progress. We make movement towards God. Where do I have to make progress? In exactly, I know some of you have already just done a retreat, so obviously there's some of that. But you know, maybe just if you look at it from the perspective of a new year, okay, 2021. What am I going to do other than get the vaccine? <laughs> Which I hope you will get. You know, whenever you will get it, I don't know, but. Uh, St. Augustine reflected on the fact that we are, that we men and women are the times. We men and women are the times. And, uh, well, Cardinal Ratzinger reflected on this statement in his, one of his books called uh, Dogma and Preaching. And uh, I didn't understand this statement, we are the times. What do you, what do you mean, Augustine? Like, what do you mean? And of course, Cardinal Ratzinger is always good at uh, deciphering statements. But basically he said that when we do, when we stumble upon the fact that, that man lives in his life through different periods, right? So we, we have childhood, we have youth, we have adulthood, and then we have old age, and we have everything here right now, right? Well, no, we don't have everything. We don't have children here, so okay. We have no children. Okay. Youth, adulthood, we'll probably have more than pretty much adults and youth and, and old age, I guess. I don't know. But, uh, but precisely, we have to identify, like, what part of life am I in? But what is happening is that in this 
life, not this life, but in this times that we're in, the stages of life are getting more and more separate. Like people are, are like more and more isolated from each other. Right? Elderly and the, and the young people are having increasingly little to do with each other. You know, there was a time that everybody had grandma living with them. There was a time when uh, youth were with the old people. And, but now they're, they're, they're like isolated chasms and, and there's the conflict of generations that we see. And people are, uh, today are only willing to exalt the youth. That's what everything seems to be geared for. The, the newspapers, the TV programs, everything is geared for the youth. Do you ever see a, you know, a box office, a movie geared for old people? No. No. They don't think about them. There were periods where the inner strength of society came from tradition. Tradition. I don't know if you ever saw that movie, Fiddler on the Roof. Right? <laughs> there was a whole song about tradition. In 1971, they won, like, everything. They won the Oscar, best movie, best musical, best actor, best everything. Right? And it was a kind of a comedy, drama, uh, Norman Jewish, you know, all about this, these Jewish, these Russian Jews uh, who, well, a Russian Jew who has several daughters and... Uh, and uh, he, he, we find him speaking to God and speaking to the audience. And, uh, and he often ponders this question of uh, tradition, the difficulties also of being poor and, um, and the, the constant fear of uh, violence from the non-Jewish neighbors and stuff. It's, but always tradition was important. And uh, in an era that derived its inner strength and organization from, the, from tradition, Right? Uh, the most revered stage in life, of course, was old people. Old people. And that's still the case, I think, in Africa and places like that. The old people, there. it's an old person, you let them cross the street, you help them, help the old person. You know, we, we should be like that. We should revere old people. Because they have wisdom, they carry with them. They're in the, obviously, they're in the last stage of their life. And you can see that also in what, you know, when we call a priest. Why do we call a priest a priest? Well, that's, that's from the Greek, presbyteros, which means old guy. Presbyteros, <laughs> 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 well, no, it doesn't mean old guy, it means elder. But, uh, so, you know, a little bit of respect, you know, elder, you know. <laughs> So that's why, you know, when you see a young priest, it's always weird, you know. It's like a young priest doesn't like, you know, doesn't make, well, make sense, but it doesn't make sense. <laughs> so people have uh, experienced the, the kind of coherence of time, the interconnection of the stages of life. And those who experience that interconnection of all those stages, the youth, the or the child, childhood, youth, adulthood, the old age, you know, those are the ones who really carry the times. Those are the men and the women who carry the times. But today, people try to stop the clock and remain fixed in one particular moment of time. Okay? And that is youth. Youth. We are in a society that idealizes youth. That's why we have makeup artists, that's why we have makeup 
They, they have different degrees of success, right? But, um, you know, the emphasis is on youth. It's as though when you, why would, why would you only emphasize youth and not the wholeness of the stages of life from childhood, youth, uh, adulthood to, to old age? What, the old person is not, uh, you know, is not, it's just a different part of life. We can end up deceiving ourselves. What it tells us is that everyone, and that's what we do when we think about a transition of time like that, is, is that we have to live in the present moment. Whether we're children, whether we're youth, whether we're adults, or whether we're old people. We have to live in the present moment always. Not be ashamed of what we are. Certainly not never be ashamed of being old or being with old people or, or well, obviously, I never understood exactly, well, I kind of understand it, but I don't kind of understand it, why you're not supposed to ask a woman how old she is. <laughs> you're never supposed to do that. It's like a... It's like it's just like a basic knowledge. You never do that, right? It's like you don't say, "Oh, hi, hi, how old are you?" Just don't do that. You might get shot. Because uh, I mean, the underlying truth there is that uh, you know she's like she doesn't want you to know that she is actually. Older, or does she want you? She doesn't want you to know she's actually younger, but she looks older. <laughs> so which one is it? I don't know. Uh, but if they don't don't want you to know, that's okay. I accept that. No, no problem. No problem. I will never ask anybody. Any not anybody. Guys, guys, no problem. They just me. me I'm uh, whatever they say their age. Whatever their age is. You know. In fact, they like to repeat it. You know, but. Uh, <laughs> So now we're saying goodbye to a year that's been a hefty year, of course, and we're going to ring in the new. And we do do that with the Tadeum, which we sing. Uh, we just sang it. Uh, I think we did a pretty good job, I have to say. It was. Uh, it's not easy to sing, but uh, it's a it's a hymn of thanksgiving for this past year, even with all the deaths and all the problems that we have all known. And so as we start this new year. Well, we're about to, we raise our heart, our voices to God with this Tadeum. It's really an ancient hymn of thanksgiving. And, uh, and we begin with those beautiful words. Tadeum laudamus, Tadeum confitemur. Tadeum laudamus. We praise you, God. Tadeum confitemur. We proclaim you as Lord. You're Lord of time. You're Lord of my life. You are Lord. We proclaim you Lord. And then the, the hymn goes through all the things that we proclaim and all the things, you know, it goes up and down. And then, and then it, it ends up in when you're going like in the notes right at the lower part, right? It, it's hard to sing, but we say, In te domine speravi, non confundar in eternum. In you, Lord, I hope, or you, in you, Lord, is our hope. And we shall never hope in vain. We shall never hope in vain. Non confundar in eternum. Never hope in vain. 
I will never be confounded, perhaps another way of saying it. But So that means what? That means however the year may have gone, whether it was difficult or it was easy, whether it was sterile or rich with fruits, we always seek to give real thanks to God. And in the Tadeum, we have this beautiful real wisdom of the church, which tells us that despite everything there is, after all, there is still good in the world. And that this girl, this good is destined to conquer through God. The good is destined to conquer. And that is the God of Jesus Christ who incarnated himself, who died and rose again. That's the good. Certainly it's difficult to, to grasp this great truth because evil always seems to make more noise than the good. We've heard a lot about the deaths from COVID. We hear about bombings and shootings and we hear about uh, electoral corruption. We hear the grave injustices uh, in our politics. We hear about martyrdoms, kidnappings. Whereas the good, the acts of love, the acts of service, quiet fidelity to one's vocation, the quiet fidelity of a couple to their vocation, or just tiredness, just tiredness. You know, probably right now it's, it's, it's 10, 20 and you're tired. You know, you're tired. It's, you've had a long day. You're tired. That goes, uh, that goes, well, maybe you'll be yawning, so it won't go that unhidden, but, uh, <laughs> but the good goes hidden, no? Those things stay in the shadows. People don't see them. They're not always talked about it. They're not always talked about, rather. That's why we come here now with you, Lord, to stop, to meditate in silence in front of the true good of our life, just to contemplate Him and to cure ourselves from all those inevitable wounds of, of daily life and to come really uh, to evaluate things uh, with new eyes, the new eyes of the present moment which really means uh, the eyes of faith. And that is what we ask you now, Lord, uh, that we, we are able to address you like that, Lord, with eyes of faith, with acts of faith, that you protect us in this 2021, that we'll be able to see your hand. We will see this in particular with the eyes of con our conscience, because God speaks to us and he, we come, you know, he, he speaks to us through our conscience and we come to, to know the real truth of our actions, the real truth of our motiv motivations as our, our conscience begins to be more and more formed and we, become to, we come to have a greater clarity of what's good and what's not good in what we do. But also I would say that as we enter 2021, we have a big responsibility because the church needs the faith and the unfeigned cheerfulness of children. That's the stage. It's one of the stages, childhood. So we still need to be simple and like children. 
at least like children before they hit puberty, right? Then then they start getting a bit uh, crazy. You know? But uh, the church needs the the urgent restlessness as well of of the questioning restlessness of youth. She needs the simplicity of children who call for the moon or desire the moon, but also the sort of restless questioning uh, the generosity of youth as they press on toward an uncertain future. They don't know, they don't know, you know, the there is there an energy, a decisiveness. Then there is an energy and decisiveness of those who are at the height of their powers. They're adults, but they're now they've learned. They have they have acquired a certain well knowledge and experience, and they're very effective. You know that's why that's why we celebrate uh, people when they turn forty, because well up until you're forty you're kind of Climbing the hill, you know, you're kind of learning. And after 40, you know, <laughs> you're kind of, you know, I mean, okay, there's still more to learn and all that, but, you know, you know, well, anyway, you're more experienced and uh, that's when you can say, in my experience, uh, <laughs> in my experience, I can think, I can say that, da 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 right? But before that, I don't have any experience, you know. <laughs> and then there's the maturity of experience, of course, but then there is the quiet patience, or you could maybe call it the, the resigned serenity of the, of the elderly, of the, of the older person. A resigned serenity. And let's see if we can really learn to trust one another, to accept ourselves, to accept ourselves in that stage of life which we are, uh, accept one another, ex- love each other. Maybe it's an accept- it's just an ex- occasion, the change of year, all that, to accept one another with our defects, with our limitations, just to offer a wholehearted yes to older people around us, uh, to our own fact of growing old, to accepting our time and our future, to accept the fact that we are living in a time of pandemic. We accept that. Lord, I accept that. We have to accept that at a certain point we we have aches and pains. It's life. Greek mythology saw time as a god they called uh, Kronos, Kronos, which was this this angry god that just actually devours children. You know, it's really ugh. And there's similar tales in India that emphasize this pessimistic, nasty god called Kronos. And um, and it's time for them was like death, and it produces all these things that swallows them all up. And that's why we say that divinization of time makes us nervous and leads to desperation, certainly not hope. But we have to see it through the lens of hope. And we have to be careful. Sometimes all we want to do, like when it comes to time, we just want to be up to date and, you know, have the latest thing and, and uh, 
you know, just be up to date with the newest thing. No, we want to just live in the present moment and um, live closely united to our Blessed Mother, accept the things that happened this year, not be too afraid. She will intercede for us. She's the Mother of God. She's the Mother of God. So she is, of course, human, but she is in God now. She'll intercede for us so, so that we accept what happens in 2021. Not that it be the most successful year ever and that the Oscars will come back and I don't know what, but it'll be a good year. But we'll embrace it as a deeper occasion to sanctify ourselves, sanctify others, to make our family grow with apostolate, have that cheerfulness, that maturity, that growth, and embrace it as an occasion to love God evermore. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you've communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Thank you.